Welcome to episode 206 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, this week we got plenty to be angry about. Uh, we are, of course, broadcasting here from the Pet Cave deep within the depths of Magenta Manor. And we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back. And that's because we're part of the Dorkening Network. And, of course, I am not here by myself. I am here with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is uh, the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of uh, uh, Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. Hello, everyone. So... Normally what we do at this point of the show is we talk, we kind of joke around, we, we, we go back and forth a little bit, but um, there, this week uh, we are participating in uh, a, a thing, it's a, it's a podcast blackout where you do not do your normal episode. We will have our normal uh, you know, segment where we, we talk about things later on, we're going to be talking about V for Vendetta, but... Uh, there are much more pressing things to talk about, things going on in the world that are uh, just absolutely fucking disgusting. And we uh, we decided this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to open up the show with this. So I know we we typically try to not get political on this show. We like to be kind of like a... Uh, uh, a, a source of, of entertainment, a source of, you know, something that can get you away from from the daily ins and outs and, you know, shit that's going on in the world. However, this can't be ignored. It, it really can't. No, not anymore. And <laughs> I know that, you know, for some folks, this is not something that they've ever forgotten or ever, you know, uh, it's never left their mind, but now it's really in the forefront of everything because this is this is uh, this is. I don't want to use the word unprecedented because you know everyone keeps saying that like every fucking week for some dumb shit that Donald Trump does. They say it's unprecedented, but this is something that I never thought I would have to deal with in my lifetime, where people doing a peaceful protest over yet another unjustified killing of an unarmed, uh, uh, shackled black man. You know, this happens far too often. It happens over and over again. And you know, one of the things that I saw that I, I kind of want to bring out, it's like it's racism isn't getting worse. It's just being recorded. I think it was Will Smith that said that. I, I might be wrong. Um I think a lot of people are saying it because of social media, because of, you know, the fact that we walk around all day with this electronic device in our pockets. We have access to things that we've never had access to before. So instead of having to wait for the news media to provide us with information, we can get information firsthand from people who are there. Right. And they post it to social media as a means of kind of getting it out there because, you know, it can... You know, when they say something goes viral, that's literally what they mean. Like it spreads from one person to another and then that person spreads it to 10 people and that and those 10 people spread it to a thousand. It's really quickly we get to see stuff that happens. And one of the things that's really frightening about all this is that these police officers know 
that they're being recorded. They know that everyone's, you know, got a camera and it doesn't matter. There was a video that I shared earlier today. Uh, our good buddy El Goro posted. It was a New York Times article. And I haven't been happy with, like, some of the stuff that they've been doing because they're really trying to kind of downplay it, you know, it's like, oh well, we don't want Trump to get mad at us, so we're gonna we're gonna you know play nice and you know not really report on what he's doing, but they're essentially putting out headlines that he would put out. Like if he called them up and said, "Hey, this is what I want you to put in your headline," that's what they've been putting out instead of reporting the fucking news. You know, which I don't understand because he has no loyalty to them, and he's just gonna shred them no matter what. But the video that they posted made sense because it was. You know, the, the the Bill of Rights, you know, like, the you know, talking about the Constitution, like, and saying, like, you know, you have the, the, the right to free assembly until you don't. And there's videos of, you know, there was a, a young black woman, you know, pleading, talking to uh, a line of heavily armed uh, and heavily armored uh, police officers, you know, like, as you've seen several times, you know, walk with us, you know, like we could be brothers, like we can be on the same side, like you're supposed to protect us, you know, we're here for you, like I don't know you, but I love each and every one of you. Like that's what she's saying. And they come over and they grab her and they arrest her. Like they physically grab her and arrest her for saying that. There are people who are being tear gassed standing on their porch. Children. There was a, a, an article I read the other day about someone who was just driving home, wasn't part of the protest, and... Uh, a tear gas grenade was thrown into their car, and the, her three-year-old got a face full of tear gas, and uh, people were, you know, like dousing her with milk to kind of, you know, she was stripped naked and doused with milk to kind of lessen the effect. And the woman, like, started freaking out on a police officer. Like, we're not part of this. We're just trying to look what you did. You did this to my, to my toddler. And the cop looked at her dead in the eye and dropped another canister right in their face. Like, this is the type of shit that's going on. And that's... The systematic, centuries-long abuse of black citizens in this country is finally coming to a point where... You can only silence someone for so long. You can only ignore someone for so long. You know, when they beg and they plead to get your attention and you ignore them and you ignore them and you ignore them, at some point, they're going to try something different, which is what we saw. Now, the thing that frustrates me the most is we see these heavily armed fucking white guys Storming different Capitol buildings. They've got fucking rocket launchers and AK-47s and AR-15s. And they're allowed to storm into the fucking Capitol building, scream at law enforcement, scream at lawmakers. You know, they're outside chanting. There's effigies of the, the, the governor, you know, being hung. There's, you know, swastikas and all kinds of white supremacist bullshit uh, uh, paraphernalia all over the place and that's because they can't go to Applebee's and get their fucking blooming onion or they can't go to the goddamn salon and get their nails done and then you have the dipshit in the fucking White House saying 
Well, I think the governor should work with them. He should talk with them. They should, he should hear them out and give in to every one of their demands and let them do what they want. But some people protesting yet another murder by the police get tear gassed and shot with rubber bullets. I don't, I don't get that. So not only are these police officers using these devices incorrectly because rubber bullets are not actually supposed to be shot at people. They're supposed to be shot at the ground. Right. And even then, they still cause blindness and... Um, well, no, it, When used properly, it's only supposed to attack your legs to kind of trip you up, to cause bruising, you know, uh, he- hematoma? Hematoma, Hematomas, yeah. uh, pain. It's supposed to inconvenience you. It's not supposed to fucking... People have lost their eyes. They have lost their eyes while protesting due to tear gas, misuse of tear gas, and these rubber bullets being shot at people's faces. Yeah, they're not supposed to be used from any... Uh, any distance closer than 36 yards and no further than 72 people within inches officers within inches of people inches of of peaceful peaceful protesters are shooting rubber bullets in their face yeah rubber bullets have more than enough force to fracture your skull sending fragments of bone into your brain causing cranial bleeding bullets that strike the orbital socket have the force to completely destroy the eye and penetrate the brain causing death since its adoption by police forces around the U.S. and the world, rubber bullets have killed 3% of those they injure, and hundreds have been permanently blinded. Because, they, they oh, they're non-lethal, so I can just shoot you from 10 feet away. And I'm not going to go into the fact that our police system, our, our, our police officers, our, our police force, are so well-stocked on all of these different instruments and weapons and everything while our medical our hospitals our you know medical personnel have to fucking raise money do gofundmes do charities do all of this stuff to raise money for proper ppe protection to combat the covid-19 crisis right teachers have to pay for their own supplies but i'm not saying uh, i'm oh, no, not no, even going to go that you know no, no i'm just i'm, I'm trying both, to make a point both, both police officers and medical personnel take a vow to protect and serve both in separate ways but they both take a vow well here's the difference if a doctor screws something up you know they're prosecuted because oh my god a healthcare provider screwed something up even if it was an accident you know that's why there's malpractice insurance uh with police, and like I was saying, you know, you have, like you're saying, doctors and nurses and hospitals have to provide their own PPE, like wearing trash bags. But, you know, some small town sheriff's department like, has a fucking tank. Everyone has their own fucking Captain America shield. Why right. is that? Why is that when hospitals can't even get appropriate face everybody shields? Has, everybody has Kevlar. Everybody has riot gear. They have tanks. They have rocket launchers. They have military weapons. And when you couple that with a police union that refuses uh, to, to do mental health checks on these on these cops and you have this bullshit fraternity of everyone saying like, well, I can't possibly turn on my, on my brothers. I can't, you like, you'll watch someone kill somebody 
or you'll watch someone abuse and beat someone. Uh, Derek Chauvin had 18 complaints against him. 18. It's, I forget what the, what the term is, but it's a type of immunity or, or um, I keep wanting to call it diplomatic immunity, but that's not it. But it basically gives law enforcement the right to do whatever they want. And the problem is they do. Like, how many times, how many times are we going to see... Now, take just what happened in Minneapolis, just with George Floyd. He was thought to have had to have paid at a convenience store with a counterfeit $20 bill. The proprietor wasn't there. It wasn't the guy that he normally sees that he's friendly with. It was somebody else, and they said, well, I think this might be a counterfeit bill. I'm calling the police. The police show up, guns drawn. Four cops, one 46-year-old man. He is put in handcuffs. He is dragged out of his car. He's dragged out of his car, then put in handcuffs. Then one of the officers, Chauvin, decides to kneel on his neck. Now, he's not resisting. His hands are behind his back. He is face down on the ground. He is zero threat. There are three other cops. This isn't something that's trained at the police academy. This isn't anything that you are taught to do. So why he's doing this makes zero sense on its face. There's no reason for it. And he knelt there for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. This man begged and pleaded said, I can't breathe, and I don't want to hear any fucking person tell me, well, if you can say, I can't breathe, you're breathing. If you can force air out, out of your mouth to say, I can't breathe, that doesn't mean that you can get that air back into your lungs. Your airway can still be restricted. If you are not able to get the air into your lungs, you pass out, which is what happened, and the man died. And then we have these, these, these riots that start because they're peacefully protesting, you know, because yet again, another black man is killed by the police. It, it, there's no reason for it. Like, there's no reason. This isn't something that you're trained to do. This wasn't he fired first and I had to defend myself. This wasn't, oh, you know, my life was in mortal danger. The man was on the ground, face down, handcuffed behind his back. And this is how fucked up the system is. Not only was Chauvin not immediately arrested, despite video evidence, which I can't, I still can't fucking understand, because the same thing happened with uh, Ahmad Aubrey. There was video evidence of what happened, and they're like, "Well, there's not enough to, you know, to charge anybody with anything." Like, you know, it's you know, so a couple of white guys were driving around and and hunting people and shooting them and killing them in the street. Eh, there's only like several videos of it. What what can we possibly do? Our hands are tied. So not only was there no arrest, at least not at first. Not only were the protesters uh, hit with rubber bullets and tear gas. There were a hundred cops outside of Chauvin's house. I, I can't understand it. Like, the whole thing boils down, you know, people like, well, it's not, it's, a black, it's not a black versus white thing. Well, it's a class thing. You know, poor people in this. It's like, no. 
It is a system. It is a system that has been uh, 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 rigged against black people for hundreds of years at this point. You know, they, they've been having to fight for everything that they get, and people still begrudgingly, you know, uh, acknowledge that they are humans. You know, there was a time when a black person was only counted as three-fifths of a person. And that was called the three-fifths compromise. Because Southerners didn't want them to count as all, at all. And so that was the compromise. It's like, well, they're a little over 50%. There's 60% of a human being. That's what we'll go with. I can't understand in any way, shape, or form the mentality that allows you to look at a human being and hate with so much passion and energy to the point that you are willing to commit violent acts against someone simply because their skin is different than yours. I can't understand that. Like, there's got to be something deeply wrong with you. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, the system is broken. It's been broken. Our government is broken. And it's been broken. And it needs to be fixed. Our government was created by the people for the people with liberty and justice for all. And clearly, it is not serving the all at this point. And the fact that we have this whole dumpster fire going on in Washington right now, trying to incite this civil rights, a a civil war, pretty much. Yes. Trying to incite a civil war in the middle of a pandemic is disgraceful and it's disgusting. No, there's no reason for this. There's no reason that, you know, anyone should be defending that fucking idiot in the White House who stands in the Rose Garden a couple days ago and says, I am here for law and order. I am here to protect your right to peacefully protest. And then proceeds to have the military, military police, again, rubber bullets, flashbangs, all, all, all these, you know, non-lethal riot control type, crowd control type of, of uh, ordinance, So this fucking asshole can walk 40 feet across the street and take a picture outside of a church with a fucking upside-down Bible holding a... like he's never held a fucking book in his life. Like, that's... that's what you want. But, you know, hey, emails, you know... Yeah, there's a hundred emails, you know, and I'm tired. I don't want to hear anybody say, but the economy is so great. The economy is so great. It great. is not. No, the stock market is fucking awesome. There's 30 million people uh, unemployed, but the stock market is doing fucking great. Yeah, who gives a fuck about the stock market at this well, point? Well, that's that's the thing that people keep saying. And like, you have to understand if you were one of these people that's like, but the economy is doing so well. But the, the, economy. but the economy does not reflect the people. Right. The economy does not reflect the middle class in America. All it means is that the stock market is doing well. Because the government keeps pouring money into the stock market to make it do well. The Federal Reserve is giving a trillion dollars a day the to banks. The stock market reflects the 1% in this country. It does not reflect the majority of the people. Ask yourself this. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, 
The majority of the people right now are struggling. How many people do you know are, are still on hiatus with or, or furloughed, for a better word, uh, with their jobs because of, of the COVID-19 Or just crisis? out of work altogether. You know, how many people, I was going to say that, how many people do you know have lost their job because, because of the, the COVID-19 crisis? You know, how many people do you know are on, an, on unemployment? How many people do you know can't get unemployment because they are self-employed? Or because for some reason they don't qualify for unemployment. So they have really no source of income right now. But the stock market is doing great. Ask yourself this. Why is it every time there's some sort of fucking financial crisis, it's the billionaires that need money? How is that fucking possible? Every single time we've given our tax money over and over and over and over and over to... You know, the airline industry, to banks, to the housing industry, over and over and over, we give all these billionaires all kinds of money. And every fucking time, it's like, hey, us normal people need some too. It's like, sorry, there's nothing for that. I'm not just going to keep bailing you out. But you'll give trillions of dollars to the banks. You'll give money to the billionaires. This is what I don't understand. If billionaires have all this money, why do they keep needing to take our taxes. How is it that they can take our taxes, but they don't pay any? How is it that every time there's a financial crisis, they're the ones that get bailed out and people like us lose our homes? Because it creates a bigger divide between the upper and middle class. And within that divide, it creates an even bigger divide between the upper middle class, which really is just middle class at this point, and the black community. Right. These things are disproportionately... It keeps the poor people poor. Right. It keeps people needing services that they otherwise wouldn't need if they had had the opportunity, like social programs, like welfare, you know, food stamps. A lot of, of, you know, minorities in this country need to use those social programs because they are not allowed the opportunities because of racism in this country. Right. There's, you know, the same people that say, you know, we're not going to give you handouts, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, are the same people that are like, trillion dollars a day for the bank? Not a problem. Oh, the airline industry needs more money? Here's billions of dollars. This happened several times. It happened, you know, back when Bush was president, back in the early 2000s, you know, when it's like, oh, the airline industry, we need we need all this money so we can keep our employees. Well, we gave them the bailout, gave them all this money. They fired their employees and all the money went right back into the pockets of the CEOs and went into stock buybacks. And then a few years later, they're like, hey, we need to be bailed out again. This happens all the time. And the stock market does great because every time we bail somebody out, they get they do stock buybacks, which make their stocks look better, but they don't have any real money. Right, but see, what this does is it helps fuel the stereotypes against certain minorities, like black people. Right. Because it keeps the black people poor. Right. Because and it, they, it doesn't offer them these services that, you know, upper class, the 1% of white people get. So it, it helps, 
you know, build these stereotypes. Well, oh, they're poor because they're lazy. They, they're just mooching off of welfare. They're just, you know, using, using food stamps. You know, they're, they're buying cigarettes and lobsters and what all, all of this stupid bullshit, you know, that, that, that people spew in order to, you know, negate these people. Right. And they, what, and what it does is it fuels the racism in this country because it allows people to have these negative connotations toward these people that wouldn't be there in the first place. No. And the thing that is so frustrating is that there's never any repercussions for the people that, that caused these problems in the first place. Like there have been more people, you know, uh, arrested in uh, the last, I don't know, I would say 24 hours, you know, pick a city. if you think about it, people of color are the ones who are arrested for the stupid stuff, the stuff that, you know, if I I, I wouldn't even be looked over for. Right. I I wouldn't be arrested for it. I I don't, you know, when I see flashing lights in my rearview mirror, I'm not worried that this this is it, like I'm going to die. Like, you know, you have someone like Philando Castile who says, you know, the cop says, you know, he's, do you have a gun? He's like, yes, I have a gun, but I'm not, you know, I'm going to reach into the glove compartment. You know, he tells him what to do. Philando Castile then complies, and as he is complying, the officer just shoots him. Just shoots him. Like, he says, do this, and he says, yes, sir, okay, and he's, do- and he's doing exactly what he was told, and he was shot and killed. Tamir Rice, you know, twelve-year-old kid with a with a toy gun, shot and killed. You know, how many times are we going to have to see this until that there's some sort of change? You know, the system that we have, the system that is systematically keeping people down, it is, it's a rigged game. It is built to keep certain people down, and, you know. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy when it's like, well, why don't you just, you know, you know, you should apply for a loan or you should do this. But, you know, then people go to apply for a loan. It's like, well, mm, I'm not giving you the loan. It's like, well, if you tell people to do something and then you refuse to allow them to do it and then blame them for your lack of giving them a chance it's it's maddening no and what's maddening is all of these all lives matter people if you are if you're gonna come at me with all lives matter you can fuck right off you're 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 all lives matter cool so so i can count on you to stand up when the next indigenous woman goes missing or is murdered i can count on you when our brothers and sisters of the trans community are killed for being their authentic selves i can count on you to stand up when a person with disabilities a disabled person is fighting for their right to just be a person and be considered i can count on you when the lgbtq plus community is fighting for their rights to be to love to love each other to have the same rights that the rest of us have i can count on you to stand up when women are fighting for their rights again for autonomy and to be equal i can count on you to stand up right because all lives matter yeah, I, I 
I can't understand. It's a cop out. No, it is. It's I a saw fucking s- cop out. I no, saw. We're not talking about that right now. It's it's Black Lives Matter. Right. Well, I saw something earlier today. Someone was trying to justify All Lives Matter, and they came up like, "Oh, I'm super religious, and you know that's that's just how I am. You can't convince me that God isn't great, whatever." But then they come up with this long-winded scenario, like. Imagine yourself, you have three buttons in front of you. One of them, or two buttons in front of you. One of them is you can kill all black people, but everyone else lives. And the other button is you kill everyone, but all the black people live. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm sacrificing all the black people. What What does it's that like, even mean? How do you like come up with that fucking scenario and like that's your justification for all lives matter? I saw a thing, and someone, someone posted this, and... Um, I forget what it, I think it's like John one five. I, I I have to look it up because I don't know off the top of my head because I am not really a a religious person. But there's a you know religious. Uh, there's a passage in the Bible where there were a hundred sheep in a flock, and one of them goes missing, and Jesus leaves the ninety nine sheep to go le- look after the one that's missing, and. The sheep say, I don't, again, fucking the Bible talking sheep. Sheep say, well, what about us? Don't we matter? And he says, yes, but you're not in trouble right now. That's Black Lives Matter. We understand that everyone's life has value. No one is saying only Black Lives Matter. We are saying this because for some fucking reason, some of you need to be reminded that Black Lives Matter. These are people. These are our brothers and our sisters. Like, again, I can't fathom racism. I can't understand that, you know, it's like, well, you have to be white, but you also have to be the right kind of white. You can't be the wrong kind of white. And, you know, anything past this shade, no, no, no. You know, I just, I can't deal with you. I can't talk to you. Like, I don't get what happened like you know you read about these stories like shit like Emmett Till you know who was you know apparently once whistled at a white woman which actually never happened the woman said oh yeah it never happened you know my bad and what he went through I'm not going to relive it I'm not at 14 15 years old simply because he was black and he and a, a white woman was scared of him. You know, we're like, oh, that's terrible. That would never happen today. We just saw it with Ahmad. Mm-hmm. Like, for the crime of jogging down the street. For the crime of existing. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, there was a burglary in our neighborhood. We're not cops. We're not affiliated with law enforcement at all. But let's go patrol the neighborhood. And the first black person we see, we're going to murder them. Like... I, I can't wrap my head around that mindset. I can't understand what drives a person to do that. Like, you heard about a robbery, so you just go cruising the neighborhood with guns, and the first person you find, you fucking gun them down? And the, the prosecuting attorney had the actual fucking balls to say, well, uh, Mr. Aubrey tried pulling the gun away and that's when it discharged so you know the racist piece of shit who pulled the gun on him in the first place had every right to defend himself 
It's like, but he pulled a gun on someone for no reason. And the guy tried not to die. And it's like, well, you know, that's justifiable. That's fine. These fucking stand your ground laws, you know, can go fuck themselves. And anyone who hides behind that, because that's what happened with Trayvon Martin. This makes me so fucking angry. Like, I don't even feel like I'm, I'm getting out of coherent thoughts. It's just kind of like raging. We have a long way to go. Now, I can recall growing up having to unlearn some things. You know, I, I was taught certain things living in certain areas that are definitely not things that I want to abide by today. And I think a lot of us need to do that. A lot of us need to unlearn things. And the best way to do that is to listen. To just, just, just stop talking and to listen. Open your eyes, open your ears, and take in everything that's going on. Because the only way that we can bring about change is if we start with ourselves, change ourselves, change our, you know, internal makeup, everything that we believe and be the person that we want to see in this world and make this world a better place for everyone because Black Lives Matter and this whole thing that's going on, it's just, it's overwhelming and it's sad and I... Can't properly verbalize, you know, some of the 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 things, you know, seeing people just write these horrible, horrible things on social media, and it's like, how can you think this way? You know, I know, I know, a lot of it is is. Well, this is how I was raised. This is how, and and, and honestly, I I. For a period of time, lived in a small town. And luckily, I I did not abide by small town politics because I truly believe that small towns breed small minds. And Mm -hmm. and it's it's very apparent today. People, you know, just going about their days, just just not questioning anything, just not asking, what can I do to help? You know, just 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 ignoring the problem, because if you ignore it, it'll go away. But that's not true. No, ignorance is what got us into this situation in the first place. Exactly. So I think what we all need to do is just ask, how can we be better allies? Yes. How can we make a change? How can we break down the system? How can we fight the powers that be? How can we create a government... That is the government that, you know, America was supposed to be built on by the people for the people, you know, with liberty and justice for all. That doesn't discriminate color. There's nothing about color in there with liberty and justice for all. Period. All men are created equal. Yes. You know, period. End of story. It doesn't matter 
what you look like. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. We are all in this together. And the fact that some people can't see that, the fact that there's still prejudice out there, the fact that people are still fucking racist, it's fucking bullshit. It just shows that an abundance of information, the internet proves this, stupidity and ignorance is not for, is not a result of a lack of readily available knowledge. You know, and I, we don't even have the time to go in and break down everything that's wrong with the government and the media right now because we know that things are being doctored and we know that things are, are being fabricated and what we see isn't always what's true. You know, but stay vigilant and stay informed. And take care of yourselves. Right. Be safe. You know, if do what you need to do. Talk to your black friends, like you said. You know, ask how you can be a better ally. Listen to them. If they say, these are the things we can do, these are the things that you as a white person can do to help me, listen to them and do it. You know, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I try my best to be the best possible ally that I can. I do come from a minority background, so I kind of get it a little bit being Native American. But being white passing, I have not had to deal with any of, of the hardships and racism and you know everything else that other people have had to deal with. Right, and you know I saw a small taste of it and I knew how angry I was you know, right after 9-11, because I have an Arabic background. But, again, I have fair skin and blue eyes, so, you know, the people that were telling me, like, oh, all them fucking Arabs need to get put into internment camps, every single one of them, they're all, you know, people telling me this because I don't look like I have Middle Eastern heritage. Because I know that if I looked like that, no one would have said this. No one would have said it to me. So talk to your friends about being allies. Talk to them about how you can help. Don't say, oh, well, I totally understand. I had this situation where, no, you don't understand because no. you're white. No. White privilege no. is real. Mm -hmm. And part of white privilege is, you know, don't... And, don't say like, well, you know, I don't have white privilege because I've had to work hard my whole life. That's not what white privilege is. White privilege is, oh, I got pulled over by the police and I was let off with a warning as opposed to I was pulled over by the police and now my children are orphans. There's a huge fucking difference between those things. So I guess we'll we'll wrap that this this part up. For now, do you have anything else you want to add before we go? We love you guys. I think that's it. Just yeah. take care of yourself. Take care of each other. You know, and, and do what you can to facilitate change. Vote. Vote, yes. If you are not registered to vote, and I know right now voting seems like a... A, a, a black hole of despair but trust me there's there's change to be made with your vote and five months we have five months from today i know i i know trust me i am not thrilled about either candidate that's being presented right now but 
there is there is a lesser of the two evils. Correct. Correct. Like Biden sucks, but he's not going to start a genocide. He's not going to start a civil war. He at least understands how he's politics not going works. to start a coherent sentence, but he's also not going to threaten to sick the military. We, we can't we can't deal with this for another four years. There's just absolutely no way. No way. I mean, there are, there are so many things, and I mean, I don't want to take up our, our, our entire time, but I mean, I know a lot of people can can empathize. You know, you wake up every day, and it's just like, oh, what now? What now? And I don't think there is a, a, a group that hasn't been victimized. No. By our current president. And that's not how it's supposed to be. A president is supposed to be someone who brings the nation together. The fact that Barack Obama just had to give a, a an address. I forget what it's, it wasn't like a, wanted to call a state of the union, but that's not it because he's not the president anymore. But he addressed the nation because we are so lacking in leadership right now. Yeah, it's sickening. So get out and vote. Take care of yourselves. Be safe. And uh, I just want to read some names. You know, one of the some of the many reasons why we are all outraged. Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Botham Jean, Tatiana Jefferson, Ahmaud Arbery, Doug Lewis, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday podcast. but the form following the function of what and what I am is a man in a mask. Oh, I can see that. Of course you can. I'm not questioning your powers of observation. I'm merely remarking upon the paradox of asking a masked man who he is. Oh, right. But on this most auspicious of nights, permit me then, in lieu of the more commonplace soubriquet, to suggest the character of this dramatis persona. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
verdict is vengeance, a vendetta held as a votive, not in vain. For the value and veracity of such shall one day vindicate the vigilant and the virtuous. <laughs> Verily, this vicious soise of verbiage veers most verbose, so let me simply add that it's my very good honor to meet you, and you may call me V. And we are back. Uh, thank you for bearing with us through that. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, gaps and things in there, but this was just something that we had to we had to say we had to get off our chest because you know we have a lot of friends that we are concerned about all over the country, and you know we want to make sure we get to see them again once everything is all over. You know, once the, you know conventions start up, and once you know we're able to travel again. We want to make sure we get to see our friends. Right? We are still in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how people don't realize that. But, you know, that just goes to show you that, you know, all these folks that have been sitting at home and not going out and, you know, they decide that they're going to go protest because that's more important. Right. And if you do decide to go out and protest, please take care of yourself. Wear a mask, social distance as much as you possibly can. Make sure you stay hydrated, stay safe. Bring your own water. Because um, I've seen some things where there were some folks were stashing supplies all around town and other folks were going around and tainting them with laxatives or. Well, there, I, I forget where it was, but there was a medic station, like kind of like a, a homemade medic station for, for the protesters, where off duty nurses, doctors were volunteering, you know, to, to help some of these protest, protesters who, who needed medical aid. And the police came over and destroyed all their water bottles, just started, you know, cutting through all of their supplies, pretty much destroyed everything. Yeah. So. So, you know, bring what you can, but stay safe. Take care of yourself. You know, stay vigilant. Make sure you keep an eye out at all times also, to what's going on. The uh, ran If you see a random pile of bricks and no construction site anywhere within yeah, uh, vision, you, those are there for entrapment. Do not touch them. They're going up all over the place. Um, several people have shared that, including myself uh, on social media. Uh, today so just yeah, just just keep fighting the good fight yeah so we have a character to talk about and as you could tell from the introduction there we are talking about v from v for vendetta now i have seen this movie multiple times ashes you just watched it for the first time the other day and you suggested this character which led me to believe that you had seen this because <laughs> it is very very Surprise. very very appropriate for the times um, in which we are living it's very relevant. That's uh, that is correct, uh, and that's why I chose this character. From what I knew of this character, I felt that it, I mean, uh, not only symbolizes a lot. A lot of people don the Guy Fox mask to, like, anonymous. Yep. You know, in order to represent change and civil disobedience. Yeah, not so much anarchy, but definitely freedom. Up, you know, uprooting the system, kind of turning it on its fight head. Fight the power. Taking these people that have hid behind their own masks, like the KKK, white supremacy, and outing them. Because mm -hmm. uh, they've been doing that lately. 
So it just felt like a really good character, a really topical character to, to discuss right now. And upon watching it, this film, for the first time, it was really uncanny, the parallels. Yeah, the uh, rise to power. Between, you know, our current government situation, the potential for our government situation. And God, I hope it doesn't come to that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd survive if it came to that. I think most of us would not survive. Um, you know, so it, it, it was uh, a really good, very well done film, but it was, it, it was, it, it was unnerving at times. Yeah. Uh, this current administration has ruined a lot of movies for me because they're too real now. Like, it's supposed to be like a dystopian type of situation. But this was written in 1982. We are moving towards that. Like it's it, it used to be something that was oh that's unfathomable that'll never happen and now it's completely plausible. Like this is the worst apocalypse like we could have asked for. I wanted zombies. Like. You know, I'd settle for a Mad Max apocalypse where everybody's Ooh. like running around, like kids are throwing boomerangs and shit. You know, we get to drive across the desert as fast as we fucking want. That can be really fashionable, too. Right? Like, there's some really cool outfits. Like, you know, if I was in better shape, I'd, I'd rock the humongous outfit, you know? I, I don't know what that is. Folks out there know who the he, who the humongous is. I will, uh, actually, I'm, I am friends with the actor on Facebook. Oh, excuse yes. me. Yeah, why am I looking there? Uh but yeah, it it's dark like, you know, it obviously has roots in other uh fascist governments, you know, like their rises to power, you know, how certain leaders were able to seize control and then you know, never let it go. So what were your initial thoughts when you first were, because you suggested this for us, and, you know, no, what did you know going into it, and how did things change for you? Okay, so I didn't know a lot. I did know it was based off of a graphic novel, although I, I have not read the graphic novel at all, which is why we're going to primarily focus on V from the film versus the character V from the graphic novels. Um, I knew it, I, I really didn't know much. So I knew it was Hugo Weaving and obviously Natalie Portman. I knew that her, the whole haircutting scene was done in one take and they actually cut her hair and mm -hmm. apparently she was really happy to do it because it was something that she had toyed around with the idea of doing on her own. But, I mean, obviously as an actor, you know, sometimes wig play isn't always an option. So I did, she... I did uh, make that one uh, when the, she goes outside in the rain after everything happens, after she, they buzz, after she gets her hair buzzed off. I was like, you know, this has got to be a unique experience for her. She's probably never felt raindrops on her scalp like this before. Yeah. You know, it can be quite refreshing if you don't have hair. And apparently she found it really liberating. Yeah. To not have to worry about that, you know, hey, oh, hey. I'm showing her a picture of the humongous with his... Uh, Studded cod piece and his. Uh, I want a studded cod piece. It is a hockey mask. 
If only all hockey players look like that. He is the Ayatollah of rock and roller. Oh, that's a real thing. That's that's what how they introduce him. I thought that was just something that who said Chris that? Oh, Jericho. Chris Jericho made up. Nope. Chris Jericho <laughs> thinks he is the humongous. Um. But anyways, so I knew that Hugo Weaving wore a mask during the entire film. This mask that has become synonymous with, you know, what Civil we just mentioned. Yes. Exactly. And I knew it was about some sort of uh, uprising. And that's about it. So I chose this character simply based off of that. And apparently, it, it, like I said, it has a lot more to do. It's a lot more relevant than, than what I originally thought. Yeah, there... <sighs> Again, it's ruined movies, you know, this administration, because I like to to watch this. It's like, oh, you know, this is, you know, a guy standing up against the government, you know, and there's some really awesome, you know, like swashbuckling and, and martial arts. And, you know, it's fun to watch because, you know, the, the Wachowskis had a, a, a part in it. You know, they didn't direct it, but they had a hand in it. And this is, you know, a couple of years after the Matrix Revolutions. And, you know, like, oh, this is going to be. Oh, pardon me. This is going to be so great. And it's going to be, you know, you got Hugo weaving and we already know we can kick some ass because we saw it in the Matrix trilogy. And oh, man, this is going to be great. And uh, rewatching it the last couple of years. I watch it every year on November 5th because I think that's relevant. Um, but just rewatching it the last couple of years and rewatching it again the other day and like, really like sitting down because usually I watch it with like I'm doing something else like you know if I was at work or if I'm working from home or I have something going on um, this time like really paying attention to everything you know the the whole like detailed rise to power that uh, his name is escaping me but uh, John Hurt's character it's eerily similar to what we saw like this cult of personality high chancellor sutler sutler i was gonna call him saffler and i was like that doesn't sound right that doesn't seem right um yeah like we see all these different people who when they were in you know one stage of the government forming as it's sort of rising to power and then we see what they do afterwards. It's kind of like, uh, what is it, Prothero, whatever his name is, the TV guy that was like Rush Limbaugh. It's so much like, you know, how all these Trump administration people are going and working for Fox News and vice versa. Like, it's just a fucking propaganda machine. Well, not only that, it shows you because... We get to see, and again, I'm not too keen on the names because I only watched this film once, but how a lot of people can be for the rise to power until this rise to power becomes bigger than they ever imagined and things begin to happen that they, it's, they partially grow a conscience slash, you know, things are happening that they didn't think were going to happening and now they're having regrets. Prothero. Yeah, like, some you know, people it, revel it, it, in it. It's like, Creedy? Oh, yeah, some people, you know, they're living their best life. But a, there are people in this government who, you know, were part of the 
high chancellor's rise to power, the indoctrination of this government, and they kind of wish they hadn't been. Like uh, Finch, Stephen Ray's character. Yes. Like, and we see his. You know, it's like in the beginning, turn. this seemed like it was for the greater good, and it seemed like it was, you know, going to benefit people. I don't want to say everyone, but, it, you know, it, 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 and then things happen, and. So essentially, the story is the, the government designs this disease. And Creedy, who is like second in command, says, no, let's not test it out on our enemy. Let's test it out on our own people. And they're able to test it out on their own people. And like they find a cure. But before they do that, they find the cure and they have to find the cure by systematically infecting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, one of whom is immune to it and actually is able to uh, have positive results almost turning him into a superhero you know but but it wasn't just just anybody that they were choosing they were going after anti-religious people they were going after the gays they were going after dissidents yes yes anyone who didn't fit the grand plan right it was you know homosexuality was a was illegal and they were taking people from their homes you know anyone who spoke up against the government illegal taking people from their homes like everything that happened, you know, like these people were forced into like they were just never seen again. Like they knew that that's that's what was going to happen. And people were abusing their power, which we see when we're first introduced to Evie. She's out after curfew because she's trying to meet Stephen Fry's character, Dietrich, who is a well-known TV personality for whom she works. And these two guys, they're called Fingermen, get. You know, they catch her and they decide, hmm, well, we might as well just rape her until the sun comes up and, you know, you know, because we can, because, I mean, no one's going to do anything, you know, again. Right, overreach she's out of past police, curfew. She wasn't supposed to be there anyways. So. Overreach of police powers. Right. And uh, V shows up. And we, we slowly learn V's backstory. We never see his face. We do get to see his hands and we see how horrifically burned, burned he is scarred yes um and we find out that he was the the lone person and he calls v because he doesn't remember who he is or where he came from but he was in room five and they use the roman numeral so he adopts that as his name and you know goes on and reads all these forbidden books and all these for and listens to all this forbidden music and watches all these forbidden films the count of monte cristo uh and he is able to you know, re-educate himself and... Becomes very well-spoken. The things he knows are state secrets that no one, no one can possibly know because if they knew, it would topple the entire government. And he systematically takes out every single person who is responsible for the rise of the government. You know, he takes out Creedy. He takes out Prothero. He takes out the doctor who conducted all the experiments. He takes out Sutler. You know, like, systematically, he is able to do everything he needs to do because he is an, he's an enhanced human. Like, something about this treatment and the way it interacted with his physiology 
enhanced his uh, his durability, his strength, his speed. You know, and he trained himself watching old swashbuckling movies like The Count of Monte Cristo, which completely explains why you know he has this pirate-like Zorro-esque nature about him. Yes, he's very. Uh, he wears a cape. He's very flashy and flamboyant. Yes, very charismatic as well. Theatrical. Yes, maybe that's why I like him so much. Yeah. And what's crazy is that Hugo Weaving was able to portray this character and emote so much without ever using his face. Yeah, I mean, he. it's kind of become uh, an art form where you have actors who have to act behind masks. And, you know, it's one thing if your character speaks... It's another thing where your character does not speak. Like we learned from uh, Kane Hodder that one of the things he did in order to make Jason more menacing, because Jason doesn't speak, is just kind of the over-exaggerated inhaling and exhaling, you know, heaving the chest as Mm -hmm. Jason's just, instead of just having him stand there. Like there's something more terrifying about just seeing him like inhaling and exhaling and like sucking in his breath it's just more terrifying. You know, one of the things you will see in everybody who wears a mask, you know, and doesn't speak, the way the one way that they convey emotion is always that slight head tilt. Like that's it. Like that's all you can do. I mean, that's I mean, what else what else is there? But in this film, they did a little more than than that, though, because they well, he used, could speak. Well, I mean, yes, he could speak. And actually, what they did was they had a microphone in the mask, but it wasn't picking up the way that they had wanted it to. It, it, it didn't have the volume, so he, all of his dialogue was added in post. So yeah. you know, he was able to step into a studio and pretty much do some voice acting. Yeah, he's just essentially re-reciting his lines because like, he was doing it while he was interacting with Natalie Portman. Well, right, but there's just... It must be partially the writing and partially his delivery, but there's a, a rhythm to everything that he says. There's a, you know, uh, it's almost like iambic pentameter. It's It owes itself, like, that's kind of the way... I mean, he does quote Shakespeare. It is, but, like... If you watch the Matrix movies, he has a really, uh, and again, that's the Wachowskis' influence, I think. There's a a line where he's talking to uh, Neo, and he, like, puts weird emphasis on specific words. And he's like, you know, I'm like you, apparently free, but not free. Like, Like, you would expect him to say, apparently free but like the way he he rattled it off it was it just had this weird cadence to it like you were saying and they kind of did that with some of his speeches like you just heard like his uh, alliteration speech uh during our break because which i think is one of the coolest scenes yes his his introduction he's introducing himself to evie and the alliteration is just brilliant. I oh, sure. It. When it's, he does it, it's fine. But when it's I do so it, it's... Du- well, I mean, you don't, you're not Hugo Weaving. You don't have the accent. I think his, his natural speaking voice is so just pleasant. There's something very melodious, melodic about it. But at the it. same time, he's very menacing. 
Oh yeah, except for when he's um pr- in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, he plays a drag queen and he's fabulous. I didn't realize. I don't think I've seen that one. I don't think you have either, but it's it's pretty great. Um, but anyways, yeah, his his whole delivery, and that is when you're really introduced to the character because you see him obviously he saves her in the beginning and then he saves her again brings her back to his lair yes it's he's a great character and um Hugo Weaving plays it so well like i mean i could maybe see Keanu Reeves you know, because of the action stuff, but I don't think Keanu has the same. Um, it's one of those, the voice, the voice is as important as the actual, like physical actions in this film because you can't see the person's face. And obviously they used different lightings and whatnot, because apparently in the uh, graphic novel, they altered his mask a little bit in some of the illustrations to give him some sort of, of you know, emotion. Yeah, I mean, you can do that with a comic. Because so they thought about doing that with the film, having a couple of different masks, you know, with, with just kind of like maybe like a slight eyebrow raise or, no, they, you know, a slight... But then yeah. they, they decided against it, but, you know... It's a porcelain mask. Used lighting and, and, you know, the use of shadows and whatnot to get their point across which I think was more effective. Yeah, if you have a very good director of photography, you can um you know, you can you can definitely do that because the lighting the lighting is a huge part of it. So like I definitely agree with you there. I also really enjoyed the fact that he had a calling card. Adrian Biddle was the director of photography. So those good shots that you see are a result of his work. Or her, I don't know if Adrian is a man or woman. But yes, I, I also really enjoyed the fact that he had a calling card. Mm-hmm. So when he, you know, killed someone, he left what was called a Scarlet Carson, which was a, a, a very fancy rose, which apparently there really isn't anything called a Scarlet. It, there's a Violet Carson, but it's not Violet. And I forget the name of the flower that they actually use, but they called it a well, Scarlet Carson to just... You remember why the letters from the woman in the cell next to him, her wife, her love, uh, would grow them in the window box of their apartment. Like, it's a throwaway like kind of thing as you're hearing the story about this woman who's in the cell. Um... And, like, that's what she says. And so he uses that to honor her memory. You know, because he had, you know, he's, uh, he's got, like, a shrine set up for her because that's, I think that's the only reason he maintained any type of humanity and was able to care for Evie. Well, I think, you know, it also gave him a backstory because he doesn't really, he doesn't know who he is. Right. It gives him some, but he, he can understand. It gives him something to believe in. Right. And he can kind of piece together like, this is probably something that I had to deal with. I dealt with something along these lines. Right. There was something 
about me that made the government want to silence track track me down and silence me yeah and use me for their horrendous experiments and one of the scenes that i actually really loved was when he tracked down the doctor who performed some of these experiments on Mm -hmm. him and how he gave her the poison that would peacefully take her yeah, because he's like, are, she's like, are you gonna kill me? He's like, I killed you ten minutes ago. Right, but you know, he's not this relentless killing machine. There's a hum- you know, th- there's humanity about him. Well, everybody gets the same injections. Right, but he also kicks the ass out of some people. Only because he has to, like the uh, Prothero, but- he doesn't. Re- he like he knocks him down. But there was something very sweet about that that scene where, you know, she apologizes and he I think, you know, he knew she was remorseful, which is why he went about it the the way that he did. And she apologized again and he accepted her apology. Yeah, because she said, is it it useless to apologize? And he's like, never. And she, you know, she was dying. She didn't have to. Like it was already done. It's not like the apology was going to save her. So, you know, it was heartfelt and real. It was sincere. But I just thought that that scene in the midst of, you know, all of the action sequence that we had and all the the chaos of the rest of the film, it was a it was a nice moment to kind of show that even though he doesn't know who he is and he had all of this horrible stuff happen to him, there's still some shred of humanity left to him. And I mean, ultimately, why he's doing what he's doing, his end goal is, you know, to to save humanity, to save you know the, the the people, the good people from their government. Well, he in, or or to to show them to kind of give them an out to create an uprising. Well, his whole thing is you know everybody's at fault. You know everybody who stood by and watched and let it happen, like it's your fault. Yeah, you're complicit. People should not be afraid of their government. Government should be afraid of their people. I had no idea. That that specific quote came from this film. I had no idea that a lot of the political quotes, especially today, thrown around, came from this film. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, this obviously borrowed heavily from a lot of different things. But when it comes to, you know, civil unrest and, you know, people rising up against a tyrannical fascist government... Uh, this has a lot to offer. Uh, and I think V is one of those characters, you know, and there are so many like superhero films and like superhero origin stories where it's like, oh, it's not the man, it's the, it's the, the symbol or it's the message or it's, you know, what he believes in that lives on. It's, you know, but, in this case, you know, it's both, you know, and he finally gives the people the opportunity to rise up and take back what's theirs. And the scene at the end where, what? Oh, I was going to say, I don't even want to get into that yet because of his whole, you know, relationship with Evie. He trusts her he cares for her he loves her 
and and he shows it in a very odd way, but she she understands, I think. Well, she she understood after he put her through what he put her through. You know, she didn't understand at first, and then come to find out, his whole bunker is in the ruins of that hospital or or wherever the 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 place was that he was kept. Yes, yeah, the uh, uh, Lark Hill. So he was able to kind of recreate the situation that you know how he ended up there, how everyone ended up there, and you know planted the letter that. I forget her name. Uh, Rose. Rose? um. But the letter that she finds in the toilet. Planted that letter, you know, in the same place that he found it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like sliding it under the door. Not under the door, but like through the crack in the wall where the rats were. Like, he was able to slide it over to her so she could... Uh, Valerie? Yeah, Valerie. Yeah, but anyways, showed her how... It's almost like by by telling someone else's, else's story, you can... share, like like, show the importance of what you're doing. So it's like, I need to put you in this position. I need to create this story because I could tell you, but it wouldn't have the impact as if I sh- were to show you and put you through this. Right. She, Hence you know, the whole, you know, uh, shaving of the head and throwing her in the cell and keeping her there for, for, for days. And, weeks. You know, putting her through that. She was finally able to see exactly why he's doing what he's doing his purpose and why it's so important. Right. Because until, you know, it's like what we're, we've been talking about at the beginning of the show, until you go through it, until you live it, you can't fully understand it. And if you can't fully understand it, you can't fully commit yourself to the cause in this case. Like, you know, she had to see firsthand. It's like, this is what happened to your parents. This is what happened to me. This is what happens to this. You know what I mean? Like, this is how things are. And now you know, like, you have the same drive and motivation that I have. Right. It's like, now now you're ready to join this cause. Now you're ready to fight the good fight, even though, you know, you were a good person before. But now you've had a taste of... Of what it's truly like. And now you see how the other side lives, for lack of a better term. And what are you going to do about it? You know, and she even says, you know, later on when he, because he says like, she's like, I have to leave. And he's like, yeah, I, I get it. I know. I understand. And he's like, if I could have one wish, it would be to see you one more time again. And she does come to see him. And she does, uh... you know, kind of follow through with some of the things. And he gives her the power at the end because his whole plan is to continue to, to finish what Guy Fox started and blow up Parliament. He's taken out the heads of the state, 
you know, there's a power vacuum, so somebody's got to fill it. And then he blew up Parliament. But he only got everything all situated. He told her, he's like, you have to be the one to pull the lever and send the train on its way. It's you. Like, I'm giving you that power. And it was kind of poetic because it was a, ultimately like a, a Viking funeral for him. Yeah, because he died. And he knew he wasn't going to make it. Right. He flat he, out says that. He's like, I'm not going to live past tonight. Yes. Yeah. And, and he was prepared for it. He was ready for it. He was ready to make that sacrifice in hopes that he had taught her, showed her, made her aware enough to where she would want to continue his teachings, continue what he started, continue this uprising. Not to mention, he sent out a bunch of Guy Fox masks to... Hundreds of thousands. To pretty much the entire... The entire population of London. Right. Like, everyone got one. Like, first of all, that alone, like, to coordinate a shipping on that level, to have everything delivered at the same time, that's that's really impressive. It's some epic coordination right there. That is, he clearly did not use Amazon because, or or UPS or FedEx, but maybe they have better systems over there. Yeah, well, they're probably better funded. So overall, I have to say that you know, I still enjoy this movie. I still enjoy this character, even though. I know what it represents because I know this isn't going to be forever. Fucking, I hope not. But you know, it it sends the message that you know when people are pushed far enough, you know, open revolt is sometimes the last, the last hope and the last, you know, choice for oppressed people. Well, and, and he gave people hope, too. Not necessarily, people didn't know it was him, but by seeing the burning, you know, the, the demolition of the building, you know, it, it gave people hope. People realized, hey, change can happen, and it can happen with me. I can do something. Yeah, and the scene that I really liked is, you know, after everybody's dead, all the leadership is done, you know, and you just see these tens of thousands of people swarming in their Guy Fox masks and their wigs and their robes coming down the street and the military just kind of stands there and they don't know what to do. So they're just like, stand down. And the people just wash over them. They don't harm them. They just walk right by them and they walk to parliament. Like there's no punches thrown. There's no shots fired. It's just, we're just going here. You just happen to be, it's like watching water flow around a rock. It's like, you're just here. I'm still going to continue on my way, so let's just go around you. And it was a great scene because at the end, you know, everybody starts taking off their masks, and you see, you know, the little girl that was killed. You see Valerie and Patricia. You see, you know, uh, everyone whose life was touched in a positive way in this film remove their mask even though they weren't physically there it's like that's who this was for 
Right. It was it was the representation. So it was a great symbolic gesture. Yes. yes. So what did you think finally seeing this and you know, getting to know more about who this character was? So I thought the film was great. Like I said, it was it was really uncanny some of the parallels between what they portray and what's actually happening. I think it's super relevant. I think that it gives hope, you know, the end of the film. Mm. Um, I think they, they could make a sequel if they wanted to, but I kind of hope that they don't. I, I, I don't think that they will. Uh, the character of V is so great, so well done, uh, perfectly cast, and there's just something, I don't know if it's it's the charisma of the character, or like you said, the, the theatrics of the character, you cannot look away. Yeah, he's, I almost called him Vigo Mortensen, Jesus. Different guy. Hugo Weaving is able to captivate and enthrall you without ever showing his face. And there's just uh, something about this character that I can't quite put my finger on it. But there was just something about this character that really stuck with me from start to finish. Yeah, I think he's a great character and he was a great pick, especially. And and I, I, I so we watched it the other night and it gave me something something to think about like i have thought about this film and thought about this character a lot since since watching it it wasn't just one of those like okay well that was a great film we'll talk about this character you know on thursday it's like no it kind of gave me a little bit of food for thought which you know again i think we could all kind of used right now mm. so i i i, I thought the f- I, I i i will absolutely watch it again Absolutely, watch it again. Yeah, it was really good. I I can't believe it took me this long to watch it for the first time. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you suggested uh, this character to uh, to cover for this week. Uh, it happened to be very appropriate given all the subject matter. Um, yeah. So I think uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back. We'll wrap things up, and, uh, and uh, yeah. So we'll be right back. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> hey, what's up? I'm Amy Stolte. And this is James Thomas. We are from Battle Star Wars. And you're listening to the Throwdown Thursday Podcast.
we are back. If you are still with us, thank you so much for sticking around. And thank you for listening to this slightly unorthodox episode of Throwdown Thursday. I know we have a lot of feelings. I know you have a lot of feelings. And it's okay to feel those feelings and to process those feelings. Just remember to take care of yourselves and take care of each other. You know, drink some water. Make sure you get plenty of sleep. And take care. Uh, to quote, uh, who's, a, who's a football player I like to quote? The Marshawn Lynch. Uh, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, you got to take care of y'all mentals. You got to take care of y'all's chickens. He trademarked that. Take care of y'all's chickens. Yes. Interpret that how you wish. That could be, you know, keeping all your eggs in one basket. That could be, uh, you know, making sure that your breasts and thighs are firm and tender. <laughs> I mean, whatever works for you. Uh, you can interpret that as you'd like. But I know there's a lot going on in the world right now. And I know that a lot of people are, are looking for escapes and what have you. But please remember that it's important to have these types of conversations. It's important to to listen. It's important to learn and to educate yourself and to make sure that you know your view of the world is exactly how you want to view the world how you should view the world and if you find yourselves um, stressed uh, you don't have anyone to talk to uh, you can always reach out to us we're always around uh, we try to reach out to as many folks as we can uh, during the week we know that people get busy they know that we get busy but you know, we try to touch base with our friends as often as we can, you know, and, you know, we want to, you know, help you get through whatever we can. You know, if you find that you're just in a dark place and you need someone to talk to, you know, reach out to us on Facebook, on social media, send us some some kind of uh, direct message. Um, you know, we have our phones with us all the time. We're like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we will be on the lookout for such things. But we are definitely here for you. You know, if you need a sounding board or just just want someone to check in on you, you know, let us know. We can definitely do that. And we will definitely be back next week with a brand new episode of Throwdown Thursday. A little more upbeat. A little I better, think. hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, you know... Like we said, uh, there are just there are just some things that can't be ignored, and it's it's ignorant if if you continue to ignore it. And we are just we try not to be super political on the show, but we are actually super political people in real life. We we protest, we donate to funds, we you we know, have this weird belief that like people should have basic human rights. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's it's so weird. Believe that you should you should all love and and take care of each other. You know the 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 universal you. You know. Yeah. Kind of like the universal the the royal we yes. per se. Yes. Uh, we just we just want to make sure that we, you know, reach out to you guys, um, you know, and give you any advice that we've been given ourselves. So, you know, like I said, if you need to reach out to somebody. If you want to know how to be a better ally, 
or if you have ideas for us on how we can be better allies, please throw down Thursday podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you have, you know, maybe some suggested literature, maybe, you know, some, you know, uh, websites that we can donate to or our listeners can donate to, you know, that can help the cause. Please let us know. Uh, Feel free to share that stuff in the group as well. Uh, That's all I've got. Yep. So remember, kids, take care of y'all's chickens. And we will see you you next next Thursday. Thursday.